Oh, no, she doesn't have her boobs fat. She's still in a bikini. I don't know. She I refused to get naked in it. Like, what, what stripper doesn't get naked? I barely remember it. Like Sa- her. Satanical pandemonium. That's that tattoo doesn't get naked. In the garage. I'm Corey Cope. And I'm Freddie Woff. Today is, well, I don't want to say it's the first episode of 2020 because we have our Mondays, but this is the first standard, normal yeah. movie review. First Whatever. movie. It's first yeah. episode, first movie episode. And I know we're not giving anything away because you already looked at the, <laughs> the name of the episode. We are covering Julius Avery's Overlord. Overlord. J.J. Abrams' face is everywhere these days because of Rise of Skywalker. And his name's honest. He has story credit because he and uh, Billy Ray, who wrote the screenplay, kind of put the story together and Billy went off and, and wrote it. And uh, it was uh, punched up by Mark L. Smith. I don't know what Mark L. Smith has done other than he did Joe Dante's The Hole. I don't right. know anything else the guy has done. But Billy Ray, he had quite a 2019 Billy Ray. As a screenwriter, he did Gemini Man, he did Terminator Dark Fate, and he did Richard Jewell. He had a lot of fucking movies on He did. Year. He made some bank. He made some serious... Bank! See, that's one of the situations, too, when people hear, oh, do uh, do writers, are writers on set? I'm like, well, he couldn't have been all three of those sets. So yeah. That's... He needs that, like, sleep. Right. So this one's, uh, again, it's, it's one of the... It's one of my favorites from 2018... That just got gobbled up and poorly marketed. This movie should have been out in the summertime, not in September, or November, or whenever it was they stuck. Came in. out like right, did it come out after Halloween? Like yeah, they shoved it. I'm like, well, God, and it was so just like with Scott Pilgrim, it did, it was so poorly marketed. It basically is. It's a live action Wolfenstein. It's basically yeah. what it is. And it, I saw it. I didn't. I'd never seen a trailer. I strictly saw it because I like the poster. <laughs> And I was like, oh, oh and, and World f- War II and Nazi monsters, I'm in. The 4K box, is it's it's all white, and it's all these little red uh, drops of blood all over the cover. And you look really close, and you realize they're paratroopers. Oh, it's nice. It's really cool looking. And I, that would have been a great one sheet, but that's not what they used. No, no. I mean, I, 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 where was I? I saw it in, I saw it in Hollywood. Like I saw the, uh, I drove by, it was wild post all over a wall, and I was like, what the hell is that? Hadn't seen any trailers for it. And then I saw, you know, I was like, oh, it's coming out. Like, I want to feel like it was November 8th or something goofy like that. For some reason, I thought it was closer to Thanksgiving. Maybe. I, yeah, I mean, it was it was over a year ago. I mean, it was like, and it wasn't at a time. It seemed like a big summer movie that somehow right. got lost, right. like you said. It was supposed to be out. It was supposed to be out in July, and they just flat out dumped it. They did a tax break dump. It was November 9th, 2018. So, so there you go. That's still you get a, you get a, a movie that's supposed to be a summer movie dumped in November. It's a tax dump. The thing about this movie, out of the, my favorite movies of 2018, I Mandy was my all time favorite. Well, my 100 percent my favorite movie from 2018. Upgrade 
And this, ironically, this is the most mainstream of those three movies. You know, the other, those other two movies, Mandy has anything close to being a studio movie. And Upgrade, while it has so many elements of studio movies like Robocop and uh, Frankenstein, and there's a whole bunch of elements that fit in the studio scheme there. This movie, Overlord, is the most like a studio movie. It is a popcorn movie to just decide to dump out in the fall. Well, it's a $40 million movie. Right. So, I mean, and, and it, it, probably al- it almost made a box office back, for, but and let's, let's just be honest here. This is one of those situations where you're a studio worrying about your P&A budget because there wasn't one. Well, also, I mean, it's weird because there no, there's no name actors in it. It wasn't like they were, none of these, no, none of these actors right. took a big chunk of that. Uh, right. And I mean, unless Boking Woodbine for yeah, his two I days mean, worth of work. He's the, he's the only recognizable face in there. If you don't, if you're not aware that of Wyatt Russell's very limited body of work. Oh yeah, it's weird, man. Because I I didn't. I have never seen Wyatt Russell be more like his dad than he is in this movie. He's he's been in other things where he doesn't. Oh, he he looks like him. But dude, there's moments in this movie where I'm just like going, he's just he's right. He's pulling his dad's vibe right out of the thing. I would say maybe. I know we disagree. This already. We disagree. I'm just not gonna be. I'm just not gonna get into it. But there, but Owen there, Wilson. But there's, there's no. But there's times if you just close your eyes, he sounds like his dad in this movie, like, and that's probably what's selling it for me. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I didn't even realize the first time I saw it because I didn't. Again, seeing it just based on the poster and not a trailer, and I didn't even look it up. Right. I just went in and I was like, "That was badass." Uh, I didn't realize it was Wyatt Russell. Didn't uh, you know? I, I didn't make any Kurt Russell connection until right. like after I'd seen the movie. Um, you know, and then I thought everybody was great in it. Um, right. and I still, I mean, I do, I've watched it this morning at six o'clock. I got up at 6am and yeah, well, I, I saw your text when I got up to take a piss. I'm like, good Lord, did you just get up and watch this? And you're like, and I won't say what you said, cause it'll come up. I'm sure <laughs> at some point. And I'm like, why are you watching this this early? And I was like, I almost didn't text you back. And I probably, no, and I didn't, I didn't text you back until I got up. No, I was, I was well done with it by the time you texted me yeah. back. <laughs> I was just like, I'm, I need to go back to sleep because I was here late. Before. I watched it last night and then I watched it again this morning. And my plan was once we decided that we were going to cover this, we had a bit, had a little bit of a programming, <laughs> <laughs> we had a little bit of programming change due to, uh, uh and then unplayable disc. I, I, I immediately went, okay, I can watch overlord at work. So I was going to watch it during my lunch, at least the first hour of it. Then I could wrap it up. Um, and then I got into a little bit of a, ironically promoting the podcast and I won't get into, I'll talk to you off mic about this cause I haven't told you about this yet. So anyway, this, this movie has a lot of people. And like you said, that aren't recognizable. They're all uh, great though. And they're, I, they're all really good the movie. It's a service to the movie. Right. Because you, now I don't know who's going to die. I don't know any of these people. Right. So who's going to die? Who's not going to die? You know, it, it's cool. I love, I love when I get a big movie like this that I don't know a lot about. And I don't really know any of the actors and they're all solid actors because you don't know who's going to get it now. Right. And that's a JJ bad robot move. Yeah. They do the same thing with Cloverfield. Yep. And Lizzie Kaplan was like the most recognizable face in Cloverfield. Now, granted, most of the people in that haven't done much since then. And T.J. Miller was behind the camera most of the time playing HUD. I always love that joke in Cloverfield with him being named HUD for heads-up display because all he is is just a camera guy. HUD. He's a floating head, so to speak. Correct. Anyway, 
there's a uh, an actress in this. In fact, she's the only like female that has any real screen time. And uh, the actress name is uh, Matilda Olivier. Yep. This this was the first thing she'd done. She'd done some stage work. You know what's crazy is she looks <laughs> she looks exactly like the DP Hillary Spera. I don't know what she looks like. Look but, up Hillary Spera. She but, looks just like Matilda Olivier. <laughs> this girl looks like somebody else. And I thought, what else have I seen her in? And then I pulled up her IMDb. I'm like, I've seen her in nothing else. <laughs> She's, it's nothing. She's in boss level. Right. And apparently. that's what, and that's, and then this got her boss level. If that's a positive thing, I don't know. <laughs> but a movie that's been, it's been finished uh, for how long now? I don't know. I mean, I see that it, it's, you know, it says it's, because I looked her up too, because she oddly, I swear, man, she looks like, uh, she looks like Hillary Sparrow. It's weird. And I, I was like confident she had done other stuff. And then she the only that, other thing yeah. she did is boss level, which uh, just she, says has right. it's completed, but not screened yet. She has a look about her. She looks a lot like, oh, you know what it is? She looks a lot like that actress from the last series of Daniel Craig Bond movies. And I forget the actress's name. I want to, was, was she in Quantum or is she in? Uh, probably Quantum. I know who you're talking about. But you she played Strawberry about. Fields. Is that what she plays? Maybe. I think I think that's that's who I thought she was. And then I was like, no, she's not. The, but she hasn't been around that long. And it wasn't her because she hasn't been in anything except for this and Boss Level. <laughs> As I'll keep saying. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, I was sure I'd seen her in other things. I'd sure, I was sure she was like in a Bond film or, um, you know, or something. But no, not, not the case. Lou starts out on D-Day. It's on the eve of D-Day. and Well, the, what's crazy is that Operation Overlord was the actual code name for the Allied operation of the Battle of Normandy, which I didn't realize until um, I was at the World War II Museum. Oh, and, in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. And, I was, and I was wandering around there, and I'm sitting there watching it, and they kept talking about Operation Overlord. And I'd already seen Overlord because it came out last year. Right, right. And I was like, oh, shit. I, I just thought... I didn't even put it together. I don't know if they ever said it in the movie that it was Operation Overlord. No, they didn't. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, so that's kind of cool. You know, that and Operation Neptune, uh, they would become known as D-Day. Yeah. So they got a... History. We're inside a plane full of paratroopers. Yeah. And not unlike Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> no, no. Very much so. Very much like it. I think we might have, when we covered Edge of Tomorrow, we might have even made a reference to a bunch of paratroopers. In Overlord. Yeah. I think we did. This is also very much a reminder of the opening to Predators, that cold open where Adrian Brody is just free-falling out of nowhere. Literally the best part of the movie and sets up something they can never deliver on. So everybody's in this plane and all these paratroopers. This is when we first learning all these characters that we're going to be experiencing later. And they're kind of giving each other shit back and forth. You're a terrible soldier. You were terrible in boot camp. You don't like mice. You, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't kill a mouse. Literally, you couldn't kill a mouse. And then we get introduced to uh, Wyatt Russell. Right. Buried in the corner. Doing Quiet, his thing. Doing his thing. And we find out just some some expositional dialogue. He was just out at the last minute to the to the operation. Right. One of the fun things about this movie, and it's like when people do things in a movie that kind of give you location or time without putting a superimposed graphic, you know, on the screen. The one guy's got his knife out and he's carving in June 6, 1944 into the wall of the plane behind him. Right. So we're getting a date in a cute way. Yep. And it doesn't seem... Yeah, we don't have to have the Chiron drop at the bottom or some lengthy expositional speech. Right. 
And it reminds me of From Dust Till Dawn, the opening scene inside the liquor store. Yeah. After the Gecko Brothers shoot the place up, you're like, you have no idea where it is. Quentin turns around and grabs the map of Texas. Oh, they're in Texas. Right. It's not unlike that, by the way. This movie's not unlike From Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> when it goes all batshit. You think about, it's a war in movie. about 90 minutes. <laughs> you think it's a war movie and then 50 minutes in, you're like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, totally. It, it, to me, it's also, I mean, I, I, I remember, isn't there, there was like a Michael Crichton novel. Or is it a Michael Crichton? Or no, it's Benchley. Did you ever read, uh, what was the Benchley novel where they, uh, they discovered like they'd made these Nazi shark monster soldiers? There's a Peter Benchley novel. What? Yeah. Just, that guy can't get out of the water, can he? Uh, no, but it, it was good. It was good fun. I think they made a movie of it. I don't I haven't heard the movie or the book. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a thing because I I was it was one of the things the first time I was watching Overlord I was like I kind of was excited by the whole fact that it was kind of like that Peter Benchley novel, which I can't remember the name of now right. to save my life. <laughs> um, but I'll have to look it up since I brought it up. There was there was one point just right after we had introduced to Wyatt Russell's character. Uh, he's just he just goes by, a, he goes by Ford. He's Corporal Ford. And he just, he wants to be left alone. He's kind of, well, the photographer, the military photographer is trying to chum up with him. And he's like, get the fuck away from me. All of a sudden, they're all startled by a door opening. And hey, it's Bo Keem. Bo Keem Woodbine. I haven't seen Bo Keem in Since anything. Dead Presidents. <laughs> the big hit. He does things here and there. He's in Fargo, though, the TV show, right? Yeah, he's yeah, in Fargo. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of these guys that works on a lot of things, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if through some disengaged episodes we might come across him again once right? or twice. So they're all preparing to drop. Clearly, these guys are super green. These guys are only have experience doing drops through drills. They've never made real drops before. And that's the vibe yeah, anyway. Simula. It seems like, it's, yes, yeah. they've, they, they know they've, they've jumped four feet out of a, in training <laughs> right. because they didn't have a lot of time to put them through training. They, you know, they put them through a course, they slap an airborne patch on their right. thing and get into playing boys. Right. Like I said, this is the storming of Normandy here that's going on here. This is the major operation. There's one point they look out the window and there is just a fleet of planes around them, surrounding them. There's a fleet moving their way towards the beach. And then they start taking on fire because they, they and this is when you know they're getting closer to land. They start taking on fire. And the whole back end of the plane gets hit. They're kind of catching on fire. And then, like, and then they start deploying people. And then the fire gets worse. And then they're like manual deployment. Then the whole back end of the plane blows out and everybody's getting sucked out the back. Sucked out the oh, back. Oh, yeah. It's great. And our lead guy, and I, I don't know, I'm going to butcher his name here. Uh, is it Jovan or is it Jovan Adepo? I think it's Jovan. Plays you know, uh, first, <clears throat> private first class Boyce, and he just goes by Boyce. All these guys go by the last name the rest of the way. He gets sucked out the back, and he's just doing that free fall flipping thing that we experienced with Tom Cruise and Edge of Tomorrow, and not yep. much different than we experienced with Predators and Adrian Brody in his free fall. And he ends up pulling a shooting time and he lands in this lake, this pond really. And he goes in on the bottom and he's stuck and he's all tied up into his, his parachute line and he can't get out. So he pulls out his knife, cuts himself loose, struggles. Dude, I love that. Desperately to get to the surface because he's down there for a while. And he's swimming up at look, what looks like a giant jellyfish. Right. Because his parachute's <laughs> floating on top of him. And right away you're going, oh man, even when you get to the surface, dude, you're going to choke on that like a fucking glad bag. Yeah, it's great. And he gets there. He's already had his, still has his knife in his hand from cutting the ropes loose and just cuts himself a breathing hole and just kind of 
wades his way through. It is such a panic moment because you know he didn't have a lot of air in his lungs to begin with because he's he's panicking all the way during his fall. So he never he doesn't take a full breath in before he hits the water. No, it's a great opening sequence yeah. from the moment we get on the plane with them. Like it, 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 it's you know I always compare everything to the opening sequence of Temple of Doom. <laughs> as it, far as like yeah. you know that, but it's good. It's real good. Him cutting the rope and then having to swim up, and you see the lines, and he comes up and he comes out and he screams, like takes that gasp of air with that. And then the knife comes through, and, and yeah, you know, and just cuts his way out through just to make sure he's, he knows the situation. He gets he swims his way to this to the shore, and he's just kind of there looking around, staying low. And Mike, when he's sitting there, kind of catching his breath, he's watching planes get shot down around him. Again, it everything the visual effects in this movie, which they every it's so they're so good you know they don't feel cheap they don't feel no 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 everything feels authentic it feels so good and, and that, that it's not unlike cloverfield even though it's a giant monster movie running around they take they use so much care in making sure it looks right and it doesn't look inauthentic yep so he once he kind of catches a breath and he's kind of sitting there he makes a little more movement my gosh one of my favorite moments of the movie and it's just it lasts two seconds he starts taking fire. Oh yeah, right across the like, pond. Right, we see the we see the we see the other plane come and burn and crash. Right, he kind of moves like he's kind of and then then literally tracer fire, and it's just all chaos. And it's awesome because it's coming from the the, the far right. But then it comes at the camera. Yeah. It's, almost. Dude, it's so well done. Yeah. I, mean, it, I remember in the theater, like, being like, holy shit. I I remember feeling myself duck in my chair. Yeah. Like, you know, that whole sort of reaction. It was, it was super cool, man. That's a great, that whole sequence is, you know, amazing. Right up until, you know, he rolls out of frame during that firefight. Right. So he kind of, so Boyce kind of makes his way away from the shore to kind of, hide behind some logs and everything because he's taking this fire and then he hears some voices. So he starts making his way over to where the voices are carefully and he sees Bokeem kind of sitting there on his knees and he's surrounded by Nazi shoulders. Nazi soldier. Shoulders. Nazi shoulders. He's got some Nazi shoulders. There are, but they're just far away. They're not nudging him because he's surrounded. He knows he's done. Bokeem knows he's done so he's shit talking a little bit. Yeah. Even though he knows it's it's all for his his uh, his all for him because they don't speak any damn English. These Germans are laughing at him, and of course they just in the middle of him saying something just. And that well, we get that one bastard who spits at him. Oh, he yeah. spits at him after he shoots him. Because uh, it be kind after. of after. Yeah, because it be kind no, of becomes because a, because, because, a, becomes a running gag. Right, because there's some pump. It's, it's the same not, one. Nazis. Is that the same one? Yeah, it's the oh, same it is guy the same through one. the whole movie. That guy's it, this guy's a big fan of his saliva. He is a spitballer, <laughs> jackass. Oh, literally, later on, he's literally a spitballer. spitballer. Uh, yeah, so but that's where he meets Ford, right? Ford rolls him over and is like, "Don't do it. He's done." Yeah, just covers his mouth. Don't say a damn thing. Is he's not the mission, right? I also love this because it's like it's it's very dirty dozen ish. Like everybody's a specialty guy, yeah. except for uh, Boyce, who's just kind of like. His specialty is that he's green and he's not jaded. Right. And the thing about this movie, I was jokingly saying, you made a dirty dozen reference, I might go on. It's a quarter dozen. Right, half dozen. Because by the time they make their way over to, right. to this small little French town, it's just four of them at this yeah. point, or three of them. No, four of them, right? Four or five There's of them. four. Four or five, whatever. Yep. After they kind of, they, they end up meeting up with Tibbet and Chase. 
And Chase, I think Chase was the photographer, right? Chase is the photographer. Right. Tibbet is the guy who sounds like Fisher sh- Stevens. Yeah, yes. Tibbet is the shit talker. He's he's on Boyce's ass from the moment we first. That's literally his first lines. He's shitting on Boyce, saying, "Yeah, in the you're, plane, you're you're an asshole. You're never. This is you're not built for this. You're not built for this." There's always that guy. There's always that guy, and he plays it pretty well. Because the whole time I'm like going, "I don't like this dude. This guy's a terrible actor." And I realized that I just didn't like him. Oh yeah, he's good. I mean, he's good. It's yeah. funny because like if this movie was made in 19, if this was Memphis Bell, <laughs> yes, he would have been. You know, we would have like cast Fisher Stevens to play him. Right. So they meet up with these two bozos after Wyatt and uh, Boyce kind of find their way over there. Uh, now it's just the four of them. Well, it's the four of them, right? right? And yeah. then they sort of uh, they're they kind of moving their way around, and, they, and they, they see some movement, and there's. Suddenly in the woods, and there's there's a beautiful woman in a leather jacket. Yeah, her her name's Chloe. <laughs> Chloe, Chloe. We know her name's Chloe. Why? Because I don't think she ever says her name's Chloe. I think she just says it no, in the, the subtitles. No, the German says it. The, uh, oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Later guy. on, yeah, that dirtbag. That guy. What's his name again? Wafner. 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 Judge Wafner. We find out really quick that Boyce isn't isn't totally useless. Like no, he's got like Tivit thinks he's he is. Man. He's a ladies' man, but he also speaks a little bit of French. He so does. he's able to communicate with Chloe and say, hey, we're not going to hurt you. Can we duck down your joint for a little bit? Yeah, totally. And uh, she's like, and they're talking French, and they're and all then, just and looking she, at her. By the way, spitting isn't just uh, that one Nazis thing, because she immediately goes, <laughs> she spits on the ground when somebody mentions the Nazis. <gasps> yeah. So they go, oh, I guess she's okay. They hand her back her knife, which they tr- she tried to attack them with, because she didn't know who these guys were. And uh, she takes them back to her little village and... and where the hell she's at? Yeah, it's a little village in France. It's already been fortified by German soldiers. You know, you've you've got your. It's got a little castle in it, and what we're finding out is there's a tower there, and that's their mission. Their mission is this radio tower at this church, and their job is to go there and take it down. Because if they don't take it down, they're the Allied forces the, can't invade. Allied it's can't a be, fail. It's a big fail. This is one of those fun movies where they're taking something that really didn't happen. Yeah, and it's Mary like, was it's something little, that yeah, it's like a little rewrite history. Rewrite history, but in a fun way. Quentin yeah. Tarantino, <laughs> right, right. Uh, I yes, it's uh, I it's the it's the it's dude. It's a 1950s war movie that suddenly becomes a 1980s like sci-fi movie. Right. To me, it's like a great dude. I wanted to keep when I was a kid. I wanted to keep. This is the movie I was right. wanted to keep to kind of be, <laughs> right. but it never it wasn't, and it doesn't matter what. What they recut it to, I, I don't have to worry about the keep anymore because now I got Overlord. Right. So it just kind of like pushed that away from finally after 35 years. Um, so it's these guys on a mission. Their mission is fictional within a, in, within, within a factual story, right? Which is great, right? Chloe gets them to her village, and I guess it's been fully fortified. You know, what the hell do they call those? It's, ocu- it's been occupied by the Nazis oh, for sure. And, yeah, and, and they have their uh, fuck, what do they call the bunkers? I guess they're bunkers. But they're, is it still a bunker if it's not just a, it's because it's, it's a, like, it's a walkway? Is it still a bunker? Yeah, I mean, I it's, don't know. it's, you know, you see, you see it in all those war trips. I don't know if it's, if bunker is really the correct well, word. The, yeah, so they got these little uh, caverns, if you will, like, I don't know. It's a fun. labyrinth. It's, That's the way I'll, it's I'll set go up. With that. It's, I'll go with it's, that. It's, it's set up by design. <laughs> There's like five people right now going, you guys are fucking stupid. Yeah, well, whatever, man. It's blah, blah, blah. Send us an email. Um, <laughs> you guys are so ill-prepared again. Fuck that's off. That's not true, because I just watched the movie. <laughs> just because I don't know the name of this. Look, man, I didn't, I'm, not, I'm not a history major. <laughs> Jesus. Um, 
So anyway. We're yelling at fictional <laughs> Whoever you guys are. You guys can suck it. I got to stay off Twitter. See, it just gets me to hate See? everything. Um, <laughs> hater. No. Uh, so we, she doesn't like Germans. It's clear by her. Correct. Know, she's, she doesn't like them at all. But she comes rolling in with these guys and one of her neighbors in the village, she, she's like, she looks out the window and like, she's like, what are you doing out running around? Yelling at Chloe. Like, what are you doing? You're out past curfew. She narks on her. Yeah, totally. Like, Rats her out. Nazi, like, and so like the guys, the you know, our military, you know, our, our, our four leads at this point are kind of like ducked away, hiding away. Because Miss Nosy Body Kravitz, Gladys Kravitz, <laughs> and Ferris broads up there going, oh, they, they, Gladys Kravitz. <laughs> like, see, dude, I gotta tell you, if I am that annoying French woman, yeah, and you got all these Nazis occupying your village, why would you go out of your way to point out a problem? Let's not start with the French, dude. <laughs> Damn, you know, there's the, the the World War II French jokes. There's about there's seventeen hundred books about them. Well, yeah, there's one, and she's on the second floor. Right. And she's busting Chloe for being yeah, out man. past dark. Yeah, look, hey, let's let's go call the Nazis. <laughs> Take whatever you want from the Louvre. It's Cause, fine because we don't the, care. That's the solution. path of least resistance. And by the way, we should hands up again. I don't know if you pointed about this in Edge of Tomorrow, but Edge of Tomorrow, we it was yeah, a, a Normandy scenario. Yeah, totally. So, and he ends up in France. He's sitting in that bar, right? When he has yeah. his like, you know, yeah, there's a little parallel. There. A little bit. There's your double bill. We don't even have to put it out there. There's yeah, your man. double bill right there. Yeah, watch those two together. I was going to say Memphis Bell, like when I was looking, watching it again last night, I was going to say Memphis Bell and this would be an odd pairing. But now, yeah. now that we're sitting there talking about it, it really is Edge of Tomorrow. And yeah, uh, this would be great with Edge of Tomorrow. Look, there's your, there's your double bill. There's your homework. <laughs> Good night. Later. Uh, so anyway, um, so now we're we're bunked into the house, so right? We're, yeah, we're in we're in Chloe's house, and we meet her little brother Paul. And you initially you think he's kind of a throwaway character. Funny man is because I swear to God, dude, until this morning or until last night when I watched it the first time, I would have sworn if you asked me, I would have been like, oh, "That's your kid." I th- always like when I saw it in the theater, yeah. I never got the brother. I don't know what if I wasn't paying attention or if it just went over my head or maybe I had gone to get. A, Soda, whatever. Right. Until the moment where she says they took my brother. Right. I, in, even up until last night, one and a half times through the movie, I thought that was her kid. And I was like, it was weird that they didn't explain. There was, and I thought it was great. They never explained where her husband was. Like, he right. got taken by the Nazis. They're turning him into a lizard. <laughs> right. Whatever. Right. Like, I don't remember who it is. It might have been Boyce is poking around on their way up to the attic. She says, go up in the attic and chill out. You guys can hide up there, you know. Right. And Frank style. Go up there. On their way up, boys peeks into this cracked door and, and is startled by this disfigured face. Yeah. And we know that's her aunt because she says, I live here with my aunt, my brother. Because she actually says that. And freaks boys out. Well, it's because she looks with, like a monster. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. is like when, you, when we get to later on in the movie, he's got a total cry wolf situation because now he's seeing something weird again later on. And nobody believes him because yeah. at that point he's the only one that's seen any of the weird shit. Right. I don't know why. Does he, I don't recall. Does he say something to any of the three when he gets upstairs saying, I have to, Nope. He doesn't, help. he doesn't mention it to anybody. Right. I think he just talks to Chloe about it later on. Yep. In one of their French moments. Um, but yeah, right. He, he, no, he doesn't mention it to them. And it's, it's really cool because it's a very like subtle sort of like, and there's a, there's a great scene later on that totally mirrors him seeing through that door? Yes. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Stole the fuck out of me. And I've seen it twice before yeah, this. Man, there's some great scares in this <laughs> yeah. movie. 
So they're kind of settling in. The boys are upstairs in the attic. And the, the little boy, Paul, the, Chloe's brother, is just, he can't speak in English, but it's in French with his baseball glove and his baseball. And he, like, he wants to, he's just speaking into him in French. I want to play to the ball. Yeah. And he takes a shine to Tibbet. Yeah. And then Tibbet's like, of course, because Tibbet's the guy that <laughs> least likes kids. <laughs> Get the fuck away from me. So he just kind of goes back and forth, back and forth. And it, it gets really shitty. And because he's a punk, we already know he's a punk the way he's berating boys earlier. So whatever. But once the Nazis show up, it's just Paul's up there still because they kind of show up at the last minute. And Paul's upstairs with the four guys while the, while the Nazi patrol shows up. And Chloe tells them, like, no, there's nobody here. My my brother's asleep. My aunt's asleep. And then so Waffer's like, oh, this is my chance to get a little something. Well, then, touche. Sends his boys off. Well, just before he sends his boys off, Paul drops his baseball. And it alerts the other Nazis to go upstairs and check it out. Because now everybody's super suspicious because you want, you he know, he sleeps I, in the attic. Yeah. Because they're all, because they're Nazis, so they're suspicious of every single sound. Yeah, you hear man. a mouse fart. Oh, damn mouse. Yeah. And everybody's lying to Nazis all the time. Right. They, they, you know, that's how they do. That's Are you sure? <laughs> and then they stare at you. <laughs> it's like Nazi 101. They go up there and Paul's just standing at the top of the stairs of the attic, just kind of like saying, just to, just to head him off at the pass to prevent them from coming upstairs because they're all done. If yeah, the total or, there's a, or there's a big firefight, and yeah, lots of death. Paul, Paul drops the ball and rolls it down the steps. Yeah, and dick bag that shot down Bokeem he earlier. He holds up his glove like, "Hey, throw me the ball." He grabs the ball, looks at the kid, and looks at his boys behind him. Hawks a loogie on it and throws it back to the kid. Yep, dick and bag. It's like going ah, and then they kind of like laugh at each other and go back downstairs and. They report to Waffner saying, It's just a boy. It's just a boy. It's a baseball. And then he's like, All right, y'all, get out. Beat it. I got things to do. I got Nazi stuff to do. Get out of here. I'm about to get I, real Nazi. I mean, naughty. Nazi. I can get my swastika wet. The naughty Nazi. I'm about to SS some stuff. Um, yeah, man. Now we see, dude. That's a really uncomfortable scene, too. It, it, dude, you know what's funny about it? It not funny. There's nothing funny about it. Um, that's rough about it. It's like, uh, you know how I am. I take my notes. I, I basically do. I'll take my notes from the Wikipedia plot, plot and then I just kind of modify them to my right. own words. But dude, listen to the wording here. And oh, you, good God. And you tell me this doesn't sound like somebody that just wants to be flowery with his words or he really thinks that this is all that's happening here. Waffner sends his men away and proceeds to coerce Chloe for sex. No, he's going to rape her, dude. What's coerced? Coerced makes it sound like, would you like to have me go down on you right now? Would you like that? You would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, there's no. You don't answer. You want it. No, you. It's such a, it's a rapey moment because it's a rape moment. Yeah, totally. He's raping her. He's raping her. Yeah. It's like, don't threaten to send, because coerced Chloe for sex threatening to send her brother to the church to be fixed. Fixed? Fixed. Like they do that in the concentration camps. That church is way worse than that. Anyway, so this is the scene just getting bad. Where Waffner sends his boys away because he he wants something. So he's like he wants to have sex with 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 Chloe. 
he doesn't care if she cares, if she wants to or not, which yeah, she doesn't. totally. It's probably better for him. He probably can only get it up if she doesn't care. She yeah, fights him. Right, and she kind of- power she, she struggle takes, She And not to say she takes one for the team. She knows that her action just before that that sets this in motion. Well, and we've already seen her aunt, who we know uh, yeah. that they've these guys have done something to, which isn't right. Right. And he threatens to take the little boy- Right. And do the same thing. But she gives him the smile, knowing that she's protecting her brother and also protecting... Yeah, the, you know, the, the, the four, four guys upstairs. Yeah. So yeah, he kind of he is trying to get really close to her. And upstairs, you know, like I said, this point, right after the Nazis leave... Um, actually, you know what? Tibbet and Chase are already gone. Yeah, they're out. Right? And they're at the rendezvous point. And now it's just Ford and, and Boyce up top just looking down through the crack in the attic... And he and then Boyce can't stand it, man. He's like, he's, no, he's a Boy Scout, Boy yeah. Scout Boyce. And he doesn't know what to. He's like, and Ford's trying to stop him. He's just like, don't, don't. She knows what she's doing, dude. Yeah. Like, look, she's she's been here before. She has to live here. She's got whatever you do right her, now, she, right? Her, yeah. Her aunt's a reminder of what happens when you don't go along with what he wants, right? So he's the, he starts getting super close to her and to, to Chloe, and then sits her on the table, and he. Rips her panties off, panties off and, 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 and then um, buries her head. He buries, buries his face. face. It's and the next thing you know is click. The next thing a you piece know, of cold steel poked got, his back to his head. He's got the voice has got the barrel of his rifle and rot and just sit on the back of Waffner's head. And what's his line? What's Waffner's line? Do you have friends? Yeah, something, something <laughs> effective about something in the attic. He's like, I don't know what it was. Something about, yes, something sleeping in the attic. Is something cute that nobody would say in that situation. <laughs> Except for a Nazi uh, lieutenant. Right. Waffner. In this movie. In this movie. Uh, but it's cool. It's funny. I mean, it, it. you know, it's funny. It didn't even land really on me because I can't, I can't recall what he said. Right. But I can recall the visuals, the whole, everything leading up to that moment. The way the camera, he lead, the, the the gun just pokes into place and you can almost feel that cold steel pop the back of his head. Right, yeah. All that visual stuff, yes. And then his line, it's like a throwaway. Even right. Even though it was trying to be, I, I can't even remember what he said. Right, uh, and I, I saw it 12 hours ago. <laughs> right, and I saw it less than that. I saw it four hours ago. Um, and 12, and 12 hours, hours ago. <laughs> and then Ford follows suit because, you know, he's actually just looking for a reason to be punching people, so he... Just he pulls back and just knocks him oh, yeah. out. Just drops him. Just drops him. We so they they restrain Waffner. They they get a they you know they get a bag, put him over his head, and take him upstairs to the attic, right? And then uh, Ford tells tells Boyce, "Hey man, go go see Tibbet and Chase. Meet up him at the rendezvous point." So Boyce makes his way out there. He he sees he gets to the outside of what looks like a bunker. That's underneath the church. It's really weird. Something we hadn't seen before. And right. What he most, they were certainly expecting to see. So he sees them bringing out, all these Nazis are bringing out these disfigured people. And based on their attire, they're villagers, just like Chloe's aunt. And they're disfigured, just like Chloe's aunt. Like, what's going on, man? What's going on? What kind of weird shit's going on here? And they pull them over and on like a firing squad line, and they bring out two flamethrowers. And charcoal these people. Now you don't see it happening because they don't stay on the disfigurement too long because you're going to get plenty of it later. It's still kind of like you're still kind of keeping the audience guessing. Like what? What? I were seeing even more of this disfigurement that we saw peeking through the door at Chloe's house. 
Now we're just seeing a little bit of people walking away, getting torched. Yeah, it's real spooky, man. That whole sequence, dude, where like when they're burned, like the Nazi firing squad, but they're all firing with it's rough flamethrowers. And then Boyce doesn't he's freaking out about what he's seen. Here's dogs in the distance and he runs for it. And a truck happens to pass him by, a Nazi truck. <laughs> truck full of Nazis. And so he hops in it to get away to make sure that because he's done. You know, German shepherds, man, they're built to chew your balls off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he jumps in the back of this military truck. And he's lying on top of a whole bunch of dead soldiers. And we're not talking disfigurement like we are talking before. We're talking about faces blown off because yeah. their faces were blown right. off. Yeah, they're, they're, they're casualties of the battle. And this is how Boyce makes his way into the compound. Inadvertently, but that's how he gets right. there. It's a happy accident. <laughs> or a not so happy accident, depending on uh, your disposition. Once he, the truck gets there, Boyce gets out and he realizes, man, this isn't just a radio operating room that, their mission is to that they're being um, sent to destroy to insist with the ally invasion. There's a lab, man, a full on lab. There's like, a, there's a, like a legit lab. And this is some kind of mausoleum of some kind because they're, uh, yeah, there's, there's like furnaces, a mausoleum. There's, there's cells. There's uh there's, um, it's, it's Nazi heaven quite honestly. <laughs> it's a Nazi playground. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause there's uh there's um, there's drawers for cadet, like dead bodies in the wall, like in a morgue. Right. You know, it's, it's again, it's, it is, it, it, it's like your mad scientists. Right. Suddenly a, a crazy weird horror sci-fi movie has taken over this war, fi- this war picture. And this is the, <laughs> and this is the moment where the vampires turn. Totally. The, this is the titty twister. At the titty twister. Yeah. I can speak. This is where Salma Hayek turns around, boobs and fangs bared. Yes. Boyce ah. is running around the laboratory and he's seeing some weird shit. Some gnarly some shit. Some weird shit. But nothing weirder than him finding this head and a spine talking to him. Right. He pulls the thing back and it's just... He hears a voice and he pulls back this hospital curtain and it's just the head and the spine. Not much different than Turn of the Living Dead. Yep. And I guess it's got to be an homage to it. It has to be. There's a lot of stuff going on yeah. in this homage. And it could, for a movie that we discover later on is about resurrecting the dead. Right. Um, it's He freaks the fuck out. It's got and a little he, reanimator vibe to it too. Right, the exactly. Syringe, that right. whole deal. And he falls back and he sees a syringe and he... Boyce grabs it because he figures what, hey what, man, whatever this is, is doing all this. Yeah, he's he's bright. He's a pretty bright guy. Yeah, he's Pre- being he, so green. Right, he's he's a smart dude. He just wasn't built to be a no. soldier. That's nope. Yeah. Who is? <laughs> not Boyce. No, not Boyce for sure. Something else. Him going through all his crap. He comes across this big pit full of black tar. He sticks his finger in to kind of like see like what the fuck is that. It is not the same stuff that's in that syringe. The syringe is very dark. Ambery. Ambery, yeah. Yeah, sort of. It's not super neon green like reanimator. It's kind of the opposite. Right. This is the red light to that green light. Correct. So, yeah, Boyce grabs a syringe, and uh, he finds uh, Rosenfeld, one of the other guys that was part of his paratrooper. Right. They were they were, they were were in line together. They yeah. were like, dude, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go yeah. either. I'm going to be right behind you. And then just, bang, yeah, right, lost. Just before the plane blew up. I thought we were never going to see that dude again, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so he's sitting there. And he's got this tube stuck into his, his abdomen on the left side. And you're like, what the fuck is that? So... That's what they do to dead people, man. Well, it's like well, where they stick the thermometer in Robert Loja. Right, Robert Loja. Loja. So he sees them. He sees a bunch of Nazis over there 
while he's hiding with Rosenfeld, kind of ducked down, like, don't say anything, he looks over and sees this Nazi doctor take one of the syringes and go up to a clearly dead body, stick it, and Boyce and Rosenfeld watch the thing reanimate. Yeah, man. It kind of freaks a little bit, puts them on one of those slabs that we just talked about and pushes them in the drawer and closes it. So we can cook, I guess. It's like an, it's, uh, I guess. That, it's, so, it's, it's, it's the Nazi Easy Bake Oven. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I mean, it is something Nazi Easy Bake Oven. Oh, so yeah, the show was great until they went, oh, then they started talking about Nazis. Um, yeah, I don't listen anymore. So anyway, Corey, <laughs> uh, did they put them in the drawer? That way, like when they start to freak out, when they reanimate, they, they, yeah, they, they, they're all locked up. So yeah, they don't, yeah, you know. Just so they can keep them contained. Just a cell. Right, really. like I think there's a, point like when you're being reanimated when you're like I, from what I could tell from what we see in these where like when they first come they, they start freaking out and they start punching shit and right <laughs> things start growing out of their backs and you know and maybe when they get to a certain point that it stops maybe and they have to keep or the, I don't know man it's weird once those Nazis, I like that we don't get a full explanation about what any of this shit does right that would have just bored me yeah those Nazis run off after they you know they stick this guy and put him in the drawer and Boyce has to take out this contraption that's stuck in Rosenfeld's side. And he goes, dude, I got to take it out, man. And we don't, we have no idea. Because right now it just looks like a vacuum hose. It does, we can't yeah, we don't know what it is. We don't know, we don't know what's inside of it. And based on the shit that we've just seen, God, it's, it can't be good. Yeah, obviously it's not going to be good. And so he goes, I got to take it out, man. I got to take it out. And what's funny is like, he says, I got to take it out. Like he knows what it is, but. He has no idea what it is. Yeah. So it ends up being like an eight inch long. It's basically a thermometer, <laughs> meat right. thermometer. It, it, totally. Surprisingly, the wound isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be something like like some big suck hole. That like was, it was yeah, going to pull like, his organs out and everything, but yeah, it, it doesn't. So he helped. He he gets Rosenfeld up and they escape and they make their way back to Chloe's house somehow. Somehow through it because they use the 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 base the sewers yeah. underneath the base. That's the good thing about France full of sewers, right? France and their sewers. France and their sewer system. They, it's almost like they knew World War Two was coming. Alligators in the sewers. Sewers. <laughs> At this point, Tib and Chase have already come back, but Boyce is freaking the fuck out. He says, "Dude, they torched these people. I saw this. I, I saw, saw this monsters." <laughs> And, and they're and like, oh. Forge is looking at him going, what is wrong with you, dude? Yeah, Settle totally. down. You you bumped your head on something and you're just coming up with some crazy stuff. Yeah. And he go, and then he pulls out the syringe and he goes, what's this? And then Ford grabs it and they start interrogating Waffner. Take the burlap sack Bag off, off his, his head. head. What is this? And he goes, what are people dying over this for? And he goes, what about those people that are getting torched? And he, it's war. People die. Oh, come on. Come on, Baron. Dude, it, you, it's been a long time since you got some Corey guttural accents. Yeah, man, let's do this, it. This is how we start the year. Yeah, totally. You look, what, what <laughs> I was gonna, uh, there's a point later on when Waffner is like, well, we're going to get there, but there's one point, his accent just goes full retard. He sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger and it's yeah. terrible, but yeah. still it makes me laugh. It's, it's, um, a, it's at that, it's in the third act. Yeah. yeah it's, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. it gets, I was like, oh, Corey and I are going to be all over that because we can do something that bad. Yes. Easily. That's in a movie. That's in a movie. <laughs> Not on a podcast, and they're paying him to do it. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah. Hey, Dammit, we got four people that pay us every month. Look, man, we should just do like a whole Patreon. Look, we should just do a whole episode in German accents. Oh, God. 
God. When we cover Valkyrie, <laughs> because they don't do any accents in the movie, we'll just do them for them. Hey, let's go back to our main presentation, feature presentation. Wafter's just being a Nazi. Yeah. He's not telling them a damn thing. Not a thing. And he's just taunting them. Quipping, he's smart like, he doesn't ass. care. You know what? Hey, he's Ooh, one of these. Very funny Americans. He's a typical cinematic Nazi in that. Yeah. He can take it as much as he can dish it out. Totally. So he doesn't care if he talks a little shit. Kick him in the head. Him. He doesn't care. Doesn't care. Ford continues to do what he did to him downstairs. But now he's tied up and he's hanging. He's and, hitting like a heavy bag. And he is just working him over. And he's, you think Wapner's face is so messed up. He's not going to ever get worse than that. Guess what he does? Guess what? <laughs> You're, the, you might be it's, wrong. It gets a lot worse. Uh, that, what that that is again one of my favorite moments in the movie. And f- yeah, and so Ford does, and Ford doesn't just punch him; he's torturing. He's pummeling him. Yeah, dude. He's, he's he's just beating their shit out. Well, he pulls out the knife with the brass. Now he's got brass knuckles and he's got the blade on him. So the, things are getting amped up now, and and all of a sudden, a Nazi squad kind of is on their way there, but we don't know that's where they're going. They're all talking downstairs, trying to keep everybody chilled out. And Chase is left to watch homeboy. Waffner. He's and put they put the bag back on his head, right? So he's and then somehow Waffner tricks him and and attacks him. Oh, I can't see my eye. I'm choking on my blood. Help me, American. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe he said. was it like that? I don't know. I don't know. But he ends up fighting with Chase and gets a hold of his gun and puts a few in him. Shoots him in the chest. And everybody hears that and they come running upstairs to the attic. And the Nazis and, heard it too. Yeah. And those Nazi squad. squad that we saw coming are now coming in. The double time. They don't know what to do. They, so they, they knock Waffner back, and then we're, we're watching Chase die. Chase dies. And then after Boyce kind of sat there for a second and said, hey, man, I watch what happened, what this shit can do. And he there's pulls a, out the syringe. Well, he reaches because it's on the floor. Right. There's that shot, and there's like everybody's looking at it, and he has it, and he's got that moment. He knows he shouldn't do it. He knows he shouldn't do but it. But he can't help himself because he's a good guy. For, this, is, this is that reanimator moment. Where you just kind of like, I know I shouldn't do this. Yeah. So he does it, and they're kind of like, oh, I guess it doesn't do anything. Yeah. And then it was beautiful. Now, we've seen it before, big, but it's still wide. effective. Big, wide shot, and he's in the background, chasing the background, and he sits up. What? Dude, you all right? I'm really thirsty. So they throw him a canteen. He finishes it off, and can't. And he's just, he's licking the air for the drops coming out of the canteen. <laughs> Crushes the damn thing. He goes, I feel pretty good. Can you stand up? Yeah, I can stand up. And he stands up, and he seems to be okay. He has to kind of know, he's unsure what's going on. I but, don't know, man. When he crushed that canteen, I would have been yeah, like, oh, there's something right, dude. Yeah, well, that was the, he seems other than, and he goes, what you say? That was weird. Well, that was weird. He, he, stands, <laughs> oh. he stands up, and then he, then the serum really starts taking a hold of him. And it's, like, is anybody else hot? Yeah, <laughs> he started ripping he his starts, clothes his off. clothes off, and then he's, he starts freaking out, and he smash, he headbutts this giant Fucking wood beam. pillar. And he breaks it in half. I'm surprised he didn't collapse that. Now everybody's starting to freak out. And they're like, what's going on? And then they turn to Wafter and like, what the hell is this? And then, yeah, I forget what he has a line where he just kind of looks at him snarkily or like, whatever. It's fucking funny. Ha ha. That, maybe he said that. So, and then Chase goes beyond this and then he attacks Boyce. What did you do to me, Boyce? And he's just freaking out. But one of the things that happens is what he, he freaks out. His head goes back. And his collarbones poke Dude, out. It looks like, like, like I thought, I, I was like, oh God, he's going to turn into like a fucking flying uh, pterodactyl or some kind of wings were going to come out. I was I, like, what I the was just, fuck at one point, on? when I first saw the, the collarbones poking out, I thought they were horns coming out of him. I thought, and I thought, what is this, Resident Evil Nemesis? I thought there's like 
I'm like, this better not go there. And I'm like, thankfully it didn't. It was just, I realized later on it was just his bone. It wasn't a horn or anything like that. But anyway, chaos ensues. Waffner grabs the kid and bolts. Now, in the midst of him running away, he takes some fire, Waffner does. Oh, he does. Just a little bit of his face. <laughs> nice headshot. Yes. So he's, he's That's from loses, our sniper buddy. Yeah, he loses a big chunk of his uh, left cheek there, right? But his cheekbone down to his jawline. He's He looks a little, little two-faced. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, totally. But except for, like, if he got shot in the face as opposed to just getting chemically burned. Right. We call him chunk face. I mean, dude, there's a there's a big portion of his cheek missing. It's a great shot too, because I mean that. It, it, I mean, I'm sure there was some CG added to it, but I feel like they, even in the wide, there was it was kind of maybe some practical yeah. effects. I think they enhanced. It didn't look fake. It looked pretty oh, no. good. It, it looked, looked really it was a, good. Like a combination of the CG practical, and just practical yeah. and digital for sure. Uh, so Waffner makes his way out with his Nazi boys and and Paul, Chloe's little brother, and they make their way back to the base. Everyone's looking at Wafter and like all the, the, the Nazi doctor we saw earlier, like, what are you doing? And immediately <laughs> Wafter grabs one of the syringes and he sticks it in his leg and just un- and, and empties it inside him. And the doctor saying, we haven't tried this on living tissue before. Don't do that. We don't know what's going to do. Then he hits another one in him. And this is when Wafter turns and we see how bad his face is messed up. <sighs> and he's a mess. He's a mess. But now it's just going to get worse. It's just going to get worse. And he now, he's basically Nazi Hulk. And he's saying, like, Hulk out. He's just, pain doesn't bother him anymore. No. Which we discovered. And that was a great moment, too, with Chase that we didn't kind of cover. He's poking his fingers. When Chase is poking his fingers in his bullet holes before he freaks out. And he says it doesn't even hurt. So oh, because be they're, kind of, looks. they're being smart, really, really clever way of letting us know, once you hit that syringe in you, man, you're not feeling anything. Yeah, totally. You're the perfect soldier. You're yeah. You're not dead. You can't die. You're not alive, and you don't feel any pain. Right. Super army. Well, not initially, anyway. <laughs> Super soldiers. SS. SS. Doesn't uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nine. Um, three. <laughs> three. German three. <laughs> Let's keep going back to that. Let's keep going to that. Well, two episodes in a row. Do the, th- the third Reich for a thousand years. So Boyce is like going, they cut back to the Chloe's house and Boyce is like, this is bullshit. We got to go get the kid. This, we the kid's the gone. Kid. It's our fault. But on top of that, our our mission and the kid are in the same spot. Yeah, totally. And yeah. we had to kill Chase twice. Yep. How's that ring? <laughs> Oops. Yeah, you know, got to watch your buddy die twice. There's all kinds of horrible shit, dude. That's terrible. Right. right. Tibbet's down for it, by the way. Tibbet's like, yeah, let's go do this. Right, because Tibbet has suddenly had a change of heart. We realize that maybe Tibbet's not as awful as he seems. Be- because he got to see Boyce do something that he hadn't done before. Correct. He didn't think Boyce had it in him to get violent if he had to. He, right. he had to kill somebody. He couldn't do it. But when he, uh, when he clubbed Chase with the back of his rifle and pummeled his head to a pile of mush, that's when he convinced him, like, all right, you're, you can, if you can kill your boy... Then you can kill it. We're going. We're going to storm the castle. But Ford, out of ironically, the Ford Ford who is all about the mission, he's the one that doesn't want to do it. Right. He's kind of like progressing. Well, that's not his mission. His mission is to take out the tower. He doesn't care about the kid. Right. And that's he's still a soldier following orders, which is weird. And that's when they kind of convince him. Hey, dude, it's one. It's the same place. Yeah, it's all as one man. Dude, this is coming up to my favorite part because this this is my favorite part of the movie is when they when they come across the spitter in the woods. Yes. <laughs> Fuck this guy, dude. This fucking guy. So right, so like now like everybody's like, "All right, we're storming the castle." 
you know, she's got machine guns. She's about ready just to go crazy and like run in and blow it. She's about to blow it. So then, you know, we, we cut to German and our friend, the spitter. <laughs> you don't know. You don't, you haven't seen the setup. You just see them snatch him. You see him snatch him. And you, but you, but next time you see him, he's on his motorcycle. And it's a big white hat. And he's like, mm, he's running up to the door. His and I'm like, are, his hands are tied. And he's completely secured to this motorcycle. And he's trying to go. And he's duct so, tape around his mouth. They pull the tape off, and when they pull the tape off, the other soldier looks at the looks at the inside of the tape, and he sees the pin from the grenade, and he looks back, and he sees the, there's a grenade in Homeboy's mouth. He wasn't mumbling because he had tape over. He's mumbling because he had a fucking grenade right. in it. Right, and then they pull the blanket off of the sidecar and realize <laughs> it's full of lit dynamite. And the whole thing. That's a great explosion, by the way. First, because they were so good. Oh, it dude. was a two-step explosion. The grenade goes off in his head, just goes. Red and powder. The, and then the rest of the place just goes with him. Oh, man. And, and then all hell breaks loose. There are body parts everywhere. There's Nazis missing limbs. There's It's, it's so good. It's just, it's it's very much a, a like, a, it's a similar to what you see in Captain America when they just kind of. Yeah, totally. Basically, they Captain America him. Absolutely. This is a funny part because right when we were watching that, I was like, oh, this is like the Captain America. That's why I said Joe Johnson. Right. It, it reminded me of like, I was just waiting for like Waffner to turn into the Red Skull. <laughs> it was like, right? right. I mean, it's, it's great. It's such a good, it's, it's such a good set piece. That whole like Trojan horse, the guy on the motorcycle. And I, yeah. Cause I was, that's not what I was thinking was going to happen. Right. I was like, is it one of them? Dressed in the, with the goggles, and they're going to try right. to fake her, and they're, they're going to jump. I was like, what? This is right. like a lame. When, when whoa, he, it's not lame. Right. When he shows up on the motorcycle, I'm like, what? Why did they kill him? Yes. You know, like, <laughs> what, these, like what did they, uh, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. What did they put on it? What, right. What did they put on him? Just a, a note saying, we're coming to get you. I fi- I figured all it was just distraction because they were going around the back, or they're going through the sewer or right. something, something else. I didn't think it was going to be that. There's a distraction going on, but. <laughs> Not what I, yeah. This distraction was to take out some bodies, too. Yeah, totally. Super clever how they handle it. And that's the thing about this movie. It's just like, it plays on on cinematic tropes and your cinematic vocabulary a bunch. To yeah. You're like, you're expecting this. And your expectations are instantly like squash. You're like, oh, that was good. Oh, that yeah. was good. I find myself doing that a Dude. lot. Even a movie I've seen this many times, I still kind of. I thought was it was great. great, too, because the, the funny thing is, is it's the guy who we've seen him spit three times, like spit on the thing. He spit on Bokeem. He spit like <laughs> one other time. He spit when he left the house, when Waffner was going right. to rape the girl. And then he spit on the baseball. Yeah. And now he's got something in his mouth and he can't spit. Yes. And his fucking head blows up. <laughs> Sucker, <laughs> justice is served, dude. Nazi. That's that's some of the funnest <laughs> foreshadowing because usually foreshadowing moments you get in movies or any kind of story. Right. It's, just, it's just one moment. Yeah. There was four or five of yeah, them leading up totally. to this. It was it's so like, good. Yeah, it was great. I it, it it made me laugh out loud last night and this morning again. No, even knowing it was coming. So when Rosenfeld Tippett, they're the ones that kind of set up this distraction. While that's happening, Ford, Boyce, and Chloe enter the base of the sewers, which is exactly what we both probably thought they were going to enter. Right. And so they do that. And then as it's happening, Chloe goes to look for Paul and she, that's her little brother. And that's all she, I mean, she's all she's got left in her. there, you know, her aunt, you know, Don, her for. aunt, you know, her, you know, job of the aunt back at the house. Doesn't, what the hell is she good for? Then she probably needs to take her over there and get flamethrowed. Cause I, I would think that it's somewhere. Yeah. Somebody's got to kill her. Cause you know, yeah, there's some loose ends that need to be tied up. Yes. After 
after we get out of this castle. So while Chloe's looking for Paul, both both Boyce and Ford start setting charges everywhere. They're setting explosives because if they bring it down from the bottom, they bring it all down. Yeah, totally. And they got to bring it all down because you can't leave that lab because, as we know, uh, you know, technology in any hands, good or bad, is a dangerous thing. Right. So, So Chloe finds Paul. And gets into the sewers, and but then she's confronted by one of the one of those surprise. And we didn't want to. We kind of skipped over this earlier because I I kind of didn't want to like ruin a moment for anybody. But there is a reappearance of one of these mutant soldiers. Oh yeah, and he she has to fight him off. I don't know who that actor was, but dude, he was good. It was he Brad really, Pitt. Oh, it was Brad. I just, it was because he didn't have the hair. I yeah, didn't well, it's one it. of those things, you know. It's like it's like him showing up in Deadpool, in Deadpool too. Two. So he had two cameos in yeah, man, 2018. for sure. Fact um, check. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever. It's Brad Pitt. I'm just gonna say it. See, is. we Why lied not? to you. The most recognizable person in the movie is Brad Pitt, it, it, right? But you don't recognize him because he's bald and he's covered in ichor. And it's not Brad Pitt. And he's yeah, he's been dipped in oil or something. And it's not him. That's how good he is, Crisco. So she's fighting with this mutant and. He, I'm waiting for him. Mean, he gets super close. He's just like biting her. And I'm like, oh man, would she turn? Is that, is that that kind of situation? Right. We don't know anything about this. Well, crap. we don't know if, yeah, we don't know how it's passed. And like, and to go back to what you said earlier, we don't get a whole bunch of exposition about what that stuff is. All we know is that the tar in the ground and that syringe is cooked up from that tar in the ground. And apparently it brings the dead back to life. Right. We don't, we don't get all the expositional, you know, uh, uh, what's that um, philosophical musings mon- we about get, we don't get any monologuing from the, from the doctor yes nobody monologues us in this movie thank god it's super simple look yeah it's, it's what frankenstein it- there's no lightning it's just, it's lightning in a syringe yeah man totally that's it so she takes care of business with this mutant and she runs and chases after paul in the sewer and escapes meanwhile we still boyce and and ford are still setting up charges oh yeah they're running through seeing you know boyce has been there this is what he saw before when he was here. You know, Ford is kind of freaking out seeing this stuff, but they're still laying charges and, you know, they're going to bring this whole thing down and who shows up? Well, before that, we go, we go back. We see some little, we see a little bit of them selling some charges. We fall and we come back to Chloe and she makes his way back to the village and she runs into Tibbet and Rosenfeld and they're being chased by a bunch of Nazis. Oh, Right. No, it's where the it's where the kid they're they're hold they're hold up outside. Right, 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 right. And, and then the and kid kind of jumps out of nowhere and little Tibbet Paul had, escapes. Tibbet, you know, Mister Asshole. I hate everybody, especially kids. He's the one that starts protecting Paul. Cover me. He pulls him behind there. What are you doing, kid? And he starts taking. He pulls out his hold on his Colt. He's taking shots at everybody. Gets a nice headshot on one of the Nazis. Yes. Well, Tibbet takes a shot. Right, Tibbet takes a shot, and then and Chloe comes out with a picks up a rifle and then picks up a machine gun and just finishes them all off. Yeah, man, totally. Make their way back in the house, and she starts tending to his wounds. This is when we cut back to the base, and then here's our reappearance of Red Skull himself. Waffner shows up, and he's super mutated now. Yeah, he's, he's jacked. He, for all we know, behind the scenes, he hit himself with a syringe a couple more times. What's the, you know, he totally, and this is what I was thinking, maybe it's because the director's Australian, if I'm not wrong, right? Uh, I was thinking there's an homage right here to the dead hate the living. I've never seen it. Oh, yeah. Well, this, the, this, it's the way that uh, Waffner looks. If I'm, if I, rem- if I'm remembering the movie, right, there's a really like, and I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of groovy. Um, you know, I didn't think about it till the third time I'd seen the movie, and I was like, oh, it kind of. There's it, just a moment. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just me imagining things. But it was yeah. kind of interesting. 
there, and that's another thing too. There's there's so many things in this that are familiar. Lots of things that are familiar, but they're still done in a unique, new way. Where it's that's the, that's the stuff that this is the kind of stuff I find that we gravitate to familiarity, but still a uniqueness about it. They're just taking that same old thing and kind of putting a little bit of a twist on it, but it doesn't seem so obvious until you've kind of like let it digest for a little bit. I didn't think Frankenstein and Wolfenstein situation until I let it after I'd seen the movie right completely the first time. But now Waffner, man, again, he's he's super jack now, but he's got like superhero strength now. When we kind of got a taste of it, where Chase like smashed his head on that pillar and then broke oh, yeah. that broke that beam. And then uh, a great visual moment from that whole thing too. Let you know these guys don't feel a lot. They're pretty strong and they can take beatings. And in a lot of ways, they can restructure their skeleton. This their skeleton, different parts, bones, spines. Oh uh, yeah, I mean they're just manip- the, uh, I stand corrected. It's not the dead hate the living. I was thinking it's undead by the Sprig Brothers. Never Sprig. seen. Uh, I think that that. There's kind of an homage for yeah. that. Is what I was thinking. Right. Not the dead hate the living, but yes, they they're. Again, I love the fact that we don't know what this serum really does, and it doesn't matter if we just right. like, fuck six up. It's right. some Nazi shit. And we know enough about it. Evil it, it Nazi is, magic. It is, it is total reanimator because the body, the the the, yeah. the the body, the dead are being reanimated by some serum developed by the human knuckleheaded doctor. Right. They kind of react the same way to the serum. <laughs> just no, to go absolutely. So here's Waffner, superhuman Waffner, and he grabs Ford, oh, and meat hooks his ass. Dude, this is this was gnarly. Yeah, Just I mean, kinda, I can take a lot of stuff, but this really bugged me for some reason. Yeah, it, it was very much like something out of Hostel or something like that, Dude, right? It's so now it's turned into a snuff film. I'm just like, what? Just throws him what? on the hook, and then. Well, it's sound design too. Like sound when, when he so lets good. him go, and then his body sinks a little bit down onto the hook, yeah, and you just kind of hear it, it through the wet flash, and like yeah. maybe it's tearing his ribs. It's so and gnarly. Then, and then they do. He has one step further. He grabs the the chain and just kind of pulls down oh. a little bit to raise him a little bit, just like a good six inches, just so he could feel it and get his feet off the ground, so oh. his weight can just pull that hook. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, it's it, it it was some uh there was some moment there where I was like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we do get some monologuing from the villain. Of and, course. And Waffner is explaining to us that this village has been coveting this black tar for hundreds, hundreds of years. years. And all they didn't know what they had. Well they did. They were trying to keep it a secret from other people. Kind of like the keep. And the whole point of this right a secret. <laughs> That the Nazis are looking for, perhaps. But, but they're keeping the stuff under wraps because they know what it can do. Right. It's um. It's not unlike the black tar from X Files. Yeah, totally. Same stuff. Exactly. Same kind of thing. Where it just kind of it's going to take over the body, but it requires black this, oil. In, in black oil. In this situation, though, it has to be modified chemically by cooked out whatever they whatever yeah, whatever Basically whatever nazi, nazi stuff they got yeah, into it the nazi mess nazis up. if there's something bad the nazis will find out a way to make it <laughs> yeah. worse and make it yeah see dude meth didn't hit didn't start in the 70s it started in the 40s yeah nazi meth nazi meth it's just, it's, it's 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 the uh, third reich's it's their long game <laughs> <laughs> that's how they pay for all their guns just to sell and sell no, their meth. yeah, the meth. One day we'll, we'll rule the world after 75 years of meth. Um, 
So part of this whole explanation, a little expositional monologuing from, you know, the villain, he basically tells him that this is part of the, the plan of the Thousand Year Reich is like if Thousand Year Reich is going to be a Thousand Year Reich, we need Thousand Year soldiers. Soldiers. Yep. Right? Soldiers. Soldier. It's my, it's my chipped tooth, man. Soldier. You know how I chipped this tooth? You know how I did it? No. I was eating pecan praline and cream ice cream from Thrifties. There was a shell in there? And no, it was just a hard... Petrified pecan? Praline covered pecan, yeah. It was rough, dude. And it was like, and I say thrifty because it's still thrifty. It wasn't right yet. That's how long ago it happened. Oh, God. Yeah. I thought you meant it happened recently. No, I've just had it forever. Well, not forever. Well, since the thrifty was thrifty. Well, because they're still selling thrifty ice cream. Yes, right. but, it's it weird. Was, but it was still thrifty. Yeah, I got you. It was still a thrifty. Store. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Thrifty ice cream, Nazis, <laughs> overlord. So Boyce kind of like sees what's going on, right? And he, he he hears the screams because he's still setting charges, right? Yeah. Because he has no but idea. But he can't. What else are you going to do? Got nothing better to do. You can't just stop. <laughs> you hear somebody screaming, oh, what the eh, hell? There's lots of screaming down there. I don't know who it's coming from. He doesn't no. recognize it as Ford. What Get a, used to the screams, Corey, is what I hear. Let me kind of cut in right here a little bit. When he, Boyce is first at the, the base. Yes. When he's seen all the weird shit, that weird charcoal transparent body bag these things are in these either these bodies are incubating in we mentioned before these guys are getting shot up with a sermon stuck in a drawer that's not the only thing that's happening to him oh no he isn't and, and homeboy rosenfeld he's got that thing jammed into his side but also like i said there is these i don't know half a dozen of these super <laughs> col- soldiers colostomy bags yeah full of right people. <laughs> and they're but it's 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 how they're it's, you can tell they're being experimented on in a different way because I'm pretty sure that what they're soaking in that bag is the tar shit. Yeah, I think so too. And and so they're trying, the Nazis are trying all different ways. Yeah, they're just of, going there having fun with the tar, man. Yeah. It's been there forever. Dude, there's many things we could do with this tar. Vusa, Vusta Santu. Yeah. Vusta Stambrusta. Where's my toothbrush? That's what that meant. Boy starts taking shots at at Waffner. He has his gun out. He's taking shots. Yep. And I'm like, did you not learn anything from homeboy chase dude? Yeah, man. You had to obliterate his head before he stopped moving. Yeah. You, you know what you're doing to him is not helping. It's and the you old- know, he's been shot with the serum. You didn't see him do it. You know why, he, you know, he's been shot with the serum because half his fucking face is gone and he's still alive. He's still alive. Yeah. So he starts taking shots at him. And basically in the midst of that, he's distracting Waffner from Ford and Ford, Oh, this, dude, this is just as brutal. bad as it, it going is worse. In. He, you have to pull it out yourself. He, he's pushing down on the hook to release himself from the hook. Ugh, it's so rough, so gnarly, and you know, he, it's 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 pretty gnarly. And um, so yeah, it gets gets pretty nutty. And then Ford falls to the ground, rolls over. Yep. And sees the syringe. Sees the syringge. And he knows what he has to do. And he doesn't so it's all about self-sacrifice. He's like, I'm dead. I'm going to die. And somebody, nobody's going to stop Waffner. I need to do this. And he does it. And he start, those two start having a real fight. <laughs> Throwing each other around Dude. the lab. Now, again, he's only got one shot of syringe in him. So he's he just basically keeping like, himself alive. And he's not feeling any pain. Right? At this point. But... But Waffner, he's got at least two of these syringes. Well, two that so, we know of. So yeah, exactly. He's got at least two that in inside of him. I think he's become a junkie at this point. Right. 
I, I like it so good. I'll keep jamming it. Oh, it's jamming. This is when he turns into Schwarzenegger, by the way, during his monologue. <laughs> when he's when he's monologuing with with boys. Oh God! And you don't you're not seeing it. It's all off camera. It's you're just so, hearing it. No, there's a couple of times where they have a super. Oh close yeah, up yeah, yeah. There is a couple. And I'm like just watching his teeth. I'm like, he can't say those words without the without any lips. What's going on? Right? How's he gonna say that? <laughs> so it. I'm not. You can have fun with it. I'm choosing not to. Oh, I'm just having fun with it. It's fine. No, 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 no. With because my Arnold, I'll I'll be my I'll throw my generic bullshit accents around. I'm not gonna go down the Arnold. It's route. so crazy. Yeah, terrible. Um, but yeah, that's Waffner. He's he's gone full on. You know, he's like bad Schwarzenegger now. Again, they're they're throwing each other. Waffner and Boyce. Oh, sorry. Time to feed parakeets. Waffner. Waffner and Ford are throwing each other around the lab. The shit's blowing up, and Boyce is just kind of standing aside, and he got fucked up because he got thrown through. Through a glass window into another room. I'm dude Waffner's making just tossing Boyce around, but Boyce is just taking the hits because he knows they get to a point where Ford is clearly less the lesser uh of the two in the fight. And Waffner's got him down and out. Ford looks over and he sees Boyce with the gun in his hand. He's laid out on the ground. Wafter standing over him, still monologuing. Monologuing Nazi propaganda. And then he sees the ox. Mein Kampf, motherfucker. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so Ford puts his hand on this very large oxygen tank and kind of rolls it over to to the feet of Wafter, and he kind of laughs at like like he thinks that that was a last ditch effort to do something. He goes, "Oh, you you stupid!" <laughs> so yeah. he looks over there. Go ahead, boys. Wafter turns and sees him, looks down, and he realizes what's about to happen. Yeah. Pulls the trigger, blows Smile, up the you son of a bitch. Thing, and then <laughs> he gets blown back into the into the tar pit. And I'm like, going, oh, that's not good, right? And uh, and and as well as uh, uh, Ford takes a hit too. He takes a little bit of a of a bludgeoning, and his face is all bloody. And this is boys. This is when he really, really looks like his dad, and he really comes across. And I, I know you don't agree with me, but he challenge he totally channels. 1980s Kurt Russell a lot in this movie and this is the moment where he, this is this is McCready he is so the thing in this right at this moment in my opinion anyway he I've seen him in other movies he is either depending on how you want to look at it overacting or underacting to to, to be more like his dad's performances in some movies from the eighties. That's how I feel about it. I know you don't feel the same. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's okay. If you differ about it, I, I like I said, I, I couldn't help, but look at, didn't even know he was Kurt Russell's kid. Do you know when I realized he was Kurt Russell's kid? I'd already seen the movie two or three times before I knew it was his kid. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know until I looked it up actually. I was watching for doing notes for the show, right? I was doing something else and you go, Oh, you mean Kurt and Goldie's kid? What? No, what? Yeah, his middle name is Han. It is. Is it really? It's yeah. It's Wyatt Han Russell. Wow, I had no idea. I the first thing I recall seeing him in was, and this is like this is forty, right? With Jed the Jed Apatow movie with Paul Rudd. Right, right, right. And and in the movie, um, or maybe was that that what it was? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's what it was. was this is wow, or was it knocked up? He's kind of got a Ryan Quanton vibe to him. I know, I know. Bit. And 
I mean, know, not that he acts like, but the similar, like, look-wise. One of the things that, that um, you brought up... And Cold in July is the first thing I saw him in. Okay. Yeah, the, 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 the AMC thing. The the Cold in July with Don Johnson, Sam Shepard. But the, he did a TV series last year for AMC, or is it earlier this year? No, oh, sorry, it was... 2019 I think or 2018. It was, I think it was the Falcon... No, not Falcon. He's in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but the, you're talking about... Uh, is it the good Lord Bird? No, it'll be a TV show. It was either last year. Or is there twenty nine? Lodge forty nine. That's, that's it. What you're thinking? That's about. it. Exactly yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah. And I never saw it, but I heard he really is really good in it. But like I said, I haven't seen him. Let's put it this way: I know, he, I know he's Kurt Russell's kid now. But I never, I there was nothing familiar about him to me when I saw this movie in the theater until you know. But he, I didn't go. Oh, that's Kurt Russell's kid. Like a boy, he really looks like Kurt Russell, though. And I didn't know. I didn't know the kids. I until a year ago, I had no idea what the guy's name was. Wyatt Russell. I'm like, so my buddy Brent goes, "Oh, that's Wyatt Russell. That's Kurt Russell's kid." I'm like, "Oh my god, I feel like a complete nah." Well, there's a good reason why you look like Kurt Russell. Oh, well, it's because he is Kurt. He's got some DNA in there. But he doesn't. This is the one movie where he really looks like his dad. And he really sells it because he's intentionally, in my opinion, he's intentionally channeling his dad or acting like his dad. There's no way he didn't look at some of his dad's 80s movies and, and bite a little bit from that because in a lot of ways, even though this is a period movie from the 40s. Oh, there's a dude, this whole like last feels, sequence is feels, very much like the thing, the yeah. end sequence of the thing when they're running around putting the charges up. Right. Where's where's Blair? Uh, what happened to Blair? I don't know where Blair is. <laughs> Blair's diddling himself somewhere. What happened to Windows? I don't know what happened to Windows. Who cares what happens to Windows? At least there's no Windows in this movie. Um, so so this explodes, the oxygen, sorry. The oxygen tank blows up, sends uh, sends a Waffner into the the black tar pit or the just whatever they call it, a black tar black I don't black know. tar heroin pit. <laughs> so they're doing black tar heroin. Hey, we're making the keep. I'm just gonna call it the keep. Yeah, we're, we're making meth out of black tar heroin. <laughs> like we got black tar heroin. We're making meth. Long game. Think twenty twenty five. It's like, it's like uh, maybe we should just make money instead. Maybe yeah, let's just print money. Let's just sell. Let's just become superpowers. There's a sequel here. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so, so now. So he goes into the pit. He goes in the pit. Ford starts mutating at this point. You can start to see his skin, his his veins and are starting to bulge. They start to move their way out of this. And then the Daniel Craig six starts to show up. The six guys who looks like Daniel Craig. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> They're all shirtless. So, like so everybody's so everybody you saw earlier when when part of the monologuing that you were getting from Waffner was while he's running around like sticking. He's he's the guys that that were stuck in those drawers earlier. He's just walking around casually opening all the drawers and letting his pets out. Yeah, totally. But so now those guys are kind of starting to wake up after this explosion of the oxygen tank. So they're not out of the woods yet. No, but thankfully they've put up all the charges. Yes, except for one, except for one. And he's holding it in his hand and he's locked. Now he's locked. Boyce out. He's locked Boyce out because he they're starting to make their way out, and but if Ford was intentionally get him on the other side of this gate so we can shut it to shut it, yeah. And then Boyce is just having his moment. <laughs> and I was again, I've seen the movie three times. All I'm thinking about in this moment, and I laughed. I'm not kidding. I laughed so hard that I was going to wake the house up while I was watching the scene because all I kept thinking about was the moment in Titanic. <laughs> Yeah, when, when he's like handcuffed to the thing, and he's just like, he's like, "Go, Rose, go!" And he's like, oh, "I kept thinking," Rose, of, and he's just like, "Jack, Rose, whoa, whoa, boys, go, 
go. So he runs off. Ford turns around. He's got this giant. And the Nazi lighter. And the Nazi lighter that we didn't mention earlier. That's okay. Mention it now. Yes. I guess I don't need this anymore. After he lights it, the fuse is almost down, down, and they all blow up. Ford blows up. All of the freshly uh, awakened. Uh, the Daniel Craig Six. <laughs> Daniel Craig Six. <laughs> Do I don't know what to call them. They, just all, look, to, they all look to, like Daniel Craig. We need to start a trio called the Daniel Craig Six. <laughs> Why do you call them six? Because they're six balls, fucker. Right, come on, man. <laughs> Why do you think? Come Let on. Let me tell you everything. So, so yeah, now that I mean, they, it blows Boyce out through that hallway. Yeah, um, I didn't think Boyce was going to make it out of the right. building. I thought the whole thing was going to crush him. Great, great shot, too. Great, great stunt gag. That, that shot of the thing, collab- the tower collapsing right. on top of it. And then they, it was just a really great moment. And they don't stay focused on them. No. They stay wide. Yeah, You're man. watching the tower fall, then the radio tower fall, and the, the barracks, colli- the base collapsing as he's running away. When he's running out through the doors and running out, I just thought to myself, "Going, dude, is he just on a treadmill? Is this all? Is this all on green screen? Because I couldn't tell, man." Yeah, it's. I mean, it, I would. I would say that you know it was a combination of a build, like a lot of that tunnel stuff must have been had to be built. Yeah, because because um, because the thing is, they're on him like this, and he comes running around the corner and turns, and I don't see any kind no. of scene where he was on a treadmill. No, I think it was there, yeah. it was partial build. And then you know, and some they, and it's and, and it's almost a wonder. They almost yeah. stay on them the whole time. That's why I'm like, God, I don't see any seams. Nah. Yeah, it's a wonder. Take it's, that, Sam Mendes. Yeah, man, <laughs> take that. 1917. Oh wait, hold on. Did I wake <laughs> up from that? Yes, already. Someone made a comment to me about Irishman because like, I made a joke. I'm like, going, uh, you know, again, have you seen Irishman yet? No. Why? Like, I got edibles. I can go to sleep when I want to. <laughs> But it's like if you really want to go to sleep, see nineteen seventeen. Is it? Is it? Because it's really. Is it? Because it's too long. I go. No, if the movie's gonna put me to sleep, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fall asleep three and a half hours into the three and a half hour movie. I'm gonna fall asleep before that, dummies. So he narrowly escapes, and he joins all the others. And they cut to a radio announcement: the D-Day invasion concluded in victory for the Allies. No history-changing elements, but really, did this really happen? Is this? Is this overlord mission that we didn't know about with these mutated Nazis and black tar and all this crazy thousand year Reich horseshit that was going on, this small little village in France, was that really the cause of the success of the mission and its entirety? I think that there was a mission. I feel like Ford is the only one who really, see, I, that's my thing was right. There was a, somebody else knew about that mission. Like yes. what the, I don't know who it was, though. Was it Boyce? No. Here's the thing. There's no question that Ford knew what was going on. Ford knew it wasn't just a radio tower. Right. Ford knew. If it was the radio tower, if you really think about the, the mission, as they're being told all, to all the soldiers, was this. Does, we, can't have the, we can't have the invasion at that radio tower notifying everybody. We already know that, that the invasion right. happened. It was happening. Yeah, exactly. So... I'm of the opinion, especially when Boyce is is uh, debriefing, de- debriefed by one of his superiors. Superiors, and he says, "Hey, was there anything else 
there? Was why there did you? Well, when he first asked, yeah, he, why he, did he, you, why, why did you guys blow the tower up from the ground? From the ground, from underneath, from underneath, and not what? from above. You had and enough it, explosives. And Boyce said, you know, because the concern was. There were only four of us. There were only four of us. We wouldn't be under. We wouldn't be undercover. We'd be susceptible to fire, and this, the success of the mission depended on us being more stealthy than we were. Right? Could be because there was only four of them at that Plausible point. Three of explanation. them. Explanation. Sure, he accepts it. We think for a moment. And in, so, Superior says, "Is there anything that you saw down there? Did you see anything that would make us worthwhile digging up some, digging through the rubble, looking for anything?" Nope. Just. Smirks and shakes his head. No, sir. Nothing. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. We heard rumors about some shit. That's what he said. We heard some rumors about some shit going on there. He doesn't say shit, but we heard rumors about experiments. No, you didn't. Some sort of something. Yeah, there were no rumors. But but because that that comes up at all, and it wasn't a snarky little thing, it was something that I realized after a couple of viewings of it that I realized, oh, you know what? I think Ford always knew. About what yeah, I mean, on. I feel like because Ford, he got added at the last minute. People right. are saying, "Oh, because and he's he, an expert. He's an expert in demolition and explosives." Right. That's was also you his, wouldn't you wouldn't have need to have that guy to knock down a tower. Right. I get any 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 four charges, one charge, hell, which should be enough to take down a tower, especially the tower that we saw. Right. Yeah. He was definitely because all the, all the rumor is is that he smacked his captain. <laughs> That's yeah, why he's he with us. Uh-huh. Well, he liked he did like to punch people. We do so, learn that about Ford. Right. And so he goes, so Boyce goes back over and sees, you know, he sees Rosenfeld and he sees Tibbet, Tibbet and they're still kind of being tended to. And Tibbet's kind of hanging out with, with, the, with the, the kid. With, with Paul now. They're and, like, yeah, they're doing cute kid Tibbet stuff. <laughs> like the kid is imitating everything Tibbet does. They're playing cards. Yes. It's Paul and Tibbet. It's the right? new movie. And then uh, we got uh, Chloe's back there doing the Florence Nightingale thing. Yep. Because we know she was a vet. Yeah. She knows how to take care of animals, so now she's doing soldiers. Yeah. And then we, we already saw her intending to Tibbet earlier after he was wounded. Are they sending us home? No, we're all joining Charlie Company. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. After all that, I'm like, yeah, after all that, after all the shit that she went through, you're still not going home yet. Well, the thing we, the, the beautiful thing we know is because it is kind of based in history that, like, literally the war lasts like three more days. Yeah. Right. That's it. So, Charlie Company ain't going anywhere. Right. <laughs> It's, it's the they thing about it home. is the, the mission was a success, but it really, we know it's the end of the war. Right. They don't. But you know, right. on, on June 7th, they don't. No, not at all. Right. Yeah. So yeah, man. That is it. That's it. That was Overlord. Man. Overlord. Again, we, we mentioned briefly that we had a, um, a disc faux pas. Oh um, yeah. We were, and we'll, we'll get back to it cause you're going to get a replacement. You're gonna, it yeah, probably totally. won't come until after your, you return home. But taste on this, since we're giving you Silver Bullet and we said we never were going to do it. <laughs> You're going to get Silver Bullet. You're going to get Midnight Run at yeah, some point. totally. Sometime before the spring. Yeah, absolutely. And I love Midnight Run. I was so bummed when that disc, like. I was look, so looking forward to watching when I got home. Oh, dude. And then when you said that, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know what? I can at least watch this now at work or at least portion of it during my lunch. And then it work is work because it was the last regular uh, season yeah, yeah, sure. game of. Uh, Wrapping right, up football. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, um, yeah, yeah, no, but uh, yeah, we'll get into we'll get into the story of the malfunctioning disc when we actually do the episode. Oh, there's a story behind it because yeah. he hasn't shared it with me yet. Yes, that is it. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Corey at Corey Culp or the official at Karate Pod. You can follow Freddie at Raven Shattuck at Twitter, 
or at Rock and Roller 33 on your Instagram. Well, that's it. That's all. Hope you enjoyed this. Overlord. Hey. We have Happy it. New Year, everybody. Yeah. Woo. It's oh wait, it's already. But we've already, already actually yeah. we've already put up the Monday episode. Skip it. You're already probably hating the 2020. We are. <laughs> <laughs> Award season. Award. Yeah, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, wait till we do our award season wrap up. <laughs> we we or we, we should also do like we, we should also do an episode with our picks for whatever gets nominated. Oh yeah. Could you want, that's it. We'll, we'll we'll do our we'll do picks. We'll do our picks we'll, from what's we'll, we'll nominated. We'll put our we'll put our picks out there to the world, and then winner, see how wrong we are. Uh, winner. Uh, uh, wow, I got, I'm O for seventeen. Wait, who is hosting this year? Uh, I don't know. It kind of do like last year and have no host. I think right. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I honestly haven't watched the Oscars since Crash one. We just we talked about this yeah, last episode. No, it's in the, <laughs> <laughs> who cares. Anyway, all right, right, man, that's it. Peace. Bye.